0: We'll bring you fresh perspectives on timely topics facing the industry from expert voices in the space. Find us wherever you download podcasts, and of course, you can always find us at IamWim.com. That's IamWim, double I, dot com. Today, we're speaking with Lonnie Edwards, CEO and founder of The Dog Agency, which is the first management agency of its kind to focus on celebrity pets. Lonnie and her team exclusively manage the top pet influencers in the world, such as Harlow and Sage, Tuna Melts My Heart, and Cats of Instagram. Since launching her agency in 2015, Lonnie has secured media opportunities for their clients in outlets like BuzzFeed, People, The Today Show, The Wall Street Journal, and Refinery29, and has worked with brands such as Google, Dyson, Barney's New York, and so many more. Forbes even named Lonnie the woman behind the world's most influential pets. However, Lonnie hasn't always been in the pet industry. In fact, she started her career as a lawyer, graduating with her JD from Harvard Law School. So not only does she have a Harvard education, but she was brilliant enough to use that in order to start a business that we all envy. Welcome to the podcast, Lonnie. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. So we talk a lot about the future of influencers on this podcast, and I give you so much credit for finding a niche and just going full force into it. But let's start at the beginning. For everyone who's listening, what made you go from being an associate at a law firm to becoming a serial entrepreneur?
1: Tell us a little bit about your journey. Yeah. So um, I guess I'll start from the very beginning. Uh, So I was born in upstate New York. My parents are both doctors. They told me when I was very little that I could be a doctor or a lawyer and that I shouldn't be a doctor. So that left me with law. And so from like kindergarten on, I was focused on becoming a lawyer. Uh, got into Harvard Law School, which was my dream law school. I uh, went into a firm in LA that focused on entertainment litigation. And that seemed like very fun. And I moved out to LA to do that. And as soon as I got there, I realized that I I didn't want to be doing this full time. It wasn't as fun as I thought it would be. I wanted something more creative and entrepreneurial. So I left the law pretty quickly uh, after finally getting to my dream (laughs) position many years later and uh, moved back to New York. And as I was going to become an entrepreneur, I started in the fashion space. Um, created a brand called Empowered, got the utility patent on adding phone charging capabilities to bags while it's luggage, so I was able to use my legal background to um, create that and protect the invention, and was doing that for a few years. Uh, while doing that, I got a French bulldog named Chloe, and she quickly amassed this large following on social media, and I saw that there was this new and growing pet influencer space. And that seemed very fun and creative, and I was meeting these other humans behind these pets. When they found out I was a lawyer, they would ask me for advice with these contracts they were receiving. Uh, And so I was kind of unofficially advising these other pet influencers. I was meeting all these amazing people in the space. And um, the the fashion company Empowered was starting to be not as fun. Um, There were other brands coming into the space that were kind of conflicting with our patent, and there was someone who wanted to buy the company. And so it was a mix of perfect timing to sell that market need to start the agency. And so at the end of 2015, I went full on pet.
0: <laughs> full on
1: pet. And so, talk to me a little bit about how how did Chloe get a following in the first place? So, Chloe, I put her on Instagram the day I got her. I thought she was the cutest thing I'd ever seen and At the time, I was a sole entrepreneur. I was basically at home by myself all the time, and I got her to be kind of my companion and to make me happy, and I figured I'd share the happiness she gave me with everyone else. And, uh, I mean, people loved it. She She had the most unique personality, and I think that really came through in the content. She... Um, very expressive. You always knew exactly what she was thinking and feeling. And she was just a love that Like she loved cuddling and, and just spreading joy. And so I put her on Instagram and she um, just steadily grew and grew and grew her following. And then pet brands started reaching out to work with her. And that's when I realized that, that there was this thing. Yeah.
0: And so how would you describe this thing? Like, how, <laughs> like what is this thing? I mean, I'm, I'm, obsessed with it I'm like fascinated by it I represent people and when I say that like we envy what you're doing for (laughs) living I don't want to speak for everybody I think I can but I definitely do (laughs) like whose dream is it to not like to work with like because dogs cats all different yeah all different animals right so talk to me about working with pets like what is that like how does it differ from working with people
1: yeah so the I mean the pets. Um, at the end of the day, there's a human behind the pet who is who <laughs> we're <Sure. laughs> talking to you about the the deal terms, They're not an animal contract. Don't like have a paw print that day. They... <laughs> <yeah. laughs> um. But, but overall, I mean, it's it's incredibly. Uh, it's so ha- rewarding, and it makes everyone happy. Obviously, my team, because we have adorable pets coming in and like cuddling us all day long. So at the beginning, brands are pet brands are reaching out to work with Chloe. I thought that pet influencers could sell more than dog food. And that was kind of my goal. The first year of the agency was to meet with all these human-facing brands and tap the value of pet influencers. They are universally loved and accepted. Um they men love them, women love them, kids love them, grandparents love them. Doesn't matter where you live, people just love pets. They have this innate connection to them. They make people happy. Uh, people then associate those positive feelings with the given brand they're partnering with, their engagement tends to overperform because pets on the internet are just kind of a win. So uh, I spent that first year bringing Chloe to every meeting and and just sitting her on the table. And so brands would see her, they'd see the reaction they had to her, and they'd get it. And so slowly we were getting these human-facing brands to put some pets in their traditional human influencer marketing campaigns. And From there, it really continued to grow, and it became clear that pets can sell anything from makeup to hotel stays. It it really doesn't matter because people now think of their pets as their children. They want them to have the best lives. They want to do everything with them, and they look to these pet influencers to figure out not only which brands are the best fit, how best to travel with them, but also which brands resonate with them on that deeper level and, and also love pets. And so it was kind of that for the first year. And I forgot what the original question was now.
0: <laughs> oh, sure. No, I'm just sitting here listening to you because I find it all fascinating. I mean, how do you how is working with pets or oh, right. animals yes. different from working with humans?
1: So working with pets, uh, there's a lot of happiness always. So having the pets when they're at the meeting, everyone's just smiling and, and Brand's like, Oh my god, I fought to get on this deal because I want to be the one working on the pet campaign <laughs> because they're looking at adorable pet photos. And the humans more often than not have another full-time job. This is their Fun creative outlet, um, so it tends to be more uh, less kind of. Uh, I mean, it's it's still a serious business, but it's not like if they don't close this deal, they can't pay their rent. Where it's with a lot of human influencers, like this is their their full time thing, and they, they need these deals.
0: So that's interesting to me, though. So, what percentage of your clients would you say are doing this full time versus part time?
1: Very small percent.
0: Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. How do they? I mean, so funny. my, my follow up question would be. How do they have time to create so much organic content that isn't necessarily paid but I just think to how many times I'm passively sitting in my apartment taking cute photos of my pets. <laughs> and so is that what they do? They just don't find it challenging to create consistent organic content that they don't need it to be their full-time job. Um but it's it's very possible as a part-time job.
1: Yeah, so it definitely takes a lot of time to create the content just like it does for any other human influencer. Mm-hmm but they think of more often than not think of it as their fun creative outlet they're they're playing with their furry best friend it's like they're they get home from work, and this is what makes them happy. And so it's it's a little bit different in that respect. And then on the weekends, they're creating content with their pet, and they're cuddling, and they're dressing them up, and they're doing these fun things and spending this quality time with them. Uh, some of our clients that haven't made it a full-time job have shifted to doing more of uh, freelance roles as their full-time job, so they have more flexibility to be able to attend these events and have more time for content creation. Uh, but a lot of our clients, just when they get home from work, that's that's how they, like, Unwind. They they hang out with their their dog or their cat and they like create adorable content, and that's like their their fun outlet. Like one of our clients, uh, Wolfgang two two four two has almost a million followers. He has I think sixteen pets, oh my gosh. and he works a very serious full time job. He wakes up at five a.m. every morning. takes care of all the pets. Like comes home at lunch most days. Does that again. Goes back to work. Comes home at night. Does it. And then on the weekends is when he creates his content. Did
0: you find that that was essentially your creative outlook? Because I feel like it's so personal for you. Like this started as Mm -hmm. with Chloe, and you know, you discovered this all so organically and personally. So you know, a very serious job working as an associate in a (laughs) law firm. You know, you're Harvard educated, so people probably have such high expectations of what you can bring to the table. And then you get this dog because you're you're just another woman or just another person who you know wants companionship and and enjoys pets. So. Talk to me about just like personalize it. I'd love to hear, you know, was that your creative outlet and your personal outlet? And is that really how it started for you? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Like I got her to to be happy and to have yeah. an adorable thing that made me smile yeah. and creating content with her and cuddling with her. And every time she did something adorable, I just wanted to capture it on, on my phone or on my camera. And then I wanted to share that with other people because it made me so happy. I thought it would make other people happy and just spreading the joy. And, and from there, it just grew. And a lot of the content... Um, obviously it's not branded content. The majority of the content our our clients and I was creating are just the pet being adorable sitting on the couch or the pet being adorable doing whatever it may be just because they're just cute inherently and and you just capture it because you want to save that and then you just upload it. So it's it is, it's a creative outlet, it makes you happy. Um whereas I think also that's a distinction between traditional human influencers where they're like. They're creating the content. They're getting their makeup done. They're, or for a fashion blogger, for example, they're getting all their stuff. They're taking all these shots. They have a professional photographer. It's, it's very serious. Um, they whereas, take themselves very seriously <laughs> sometimes. Because <laughs> <Whereas laughs> it's a pet. It's like you're cuddling with your adorable, fluffy best friend. They're laying in bed. Oh, my God, they're paws on the pillow. It's so cute. Let me get that photo. And so it, it is a serious business. There's a lot of money involved. Uh, they're providing a ton of value to the brand. But it tends to be more of a fun, uh, creative outlet. There's still, like, there's,
0: there's like, a levity to it, you know, and I would never discount the amount of work that goes into it. I'm sure it's – because I'm even – like, so a lot of my clients are, you know, families that work with kids. Mm -hmm. And so I'm imagining capturing young kids that are running around. I'm thinking of pets, like, trying to (laughs) capture a pet who's trying to run around, who doesn't, you know, take direction. (laughs) You know, they're pets at the end of the day. So I'm sure there are a lot of, like, very unique challenges also. And
1: that's actually a good point. So not every pet is – cut out to be a pet influencer sure. so there are pets that love having their photo taken uh for example ella bean one of our clients uh the second hillary the mom pulls out her camera she just sits there and like poses like she <laughs> just like gets ready i love it the second hillary pulls out a sweater she's like Dips her head into it and is like, "Let's go." So she's the perfect example of like what makes a great pet influencer. She loves it. Yeah. Um, other pets obviously prefer to just be dogs or cats and don't want their photo taken and don't mm-hmm. want to be smothered and and don't want to wear clothes and and don't want to travel and, and do Does all these things. A dog. Right. right. So it, it depends on the pet. So not every pet is cut out to do this, but yeah. there are a bunch that are. And at the end of the day, it's pairing that up and making sure that it's a good experience for everyone involved in the pets not being forced to do things they don't want to do. All of our clients absolutely adore their pets. They think of them as their children. They would never want their pet to be uncomfortable. And I think there's this perception that, oh, people are using their dogs to make money and they're manipulating their dogs and they're they're doing all these things. That's Obviously, there are people who try to do that, but at the end of the day, especially for us, we vet heavily and we want to make sure that it's a really good experience and these humans really do love and care for their pets and as a result of this they're able to spend even more time with them it's a better experience for both of them because they're able to have this be part of their job and um and so just making sure people are in it for the right reasons is, is very important for so us
0: that's a great topic to sort of dive into a little bit um how do you guys vet you know like what questions you ask and uh, you know in, in a positive spin like what makes a pet a really good potential influencer <laughs>
1: So the stronger the brand, the better. So, uh, for example, Ella Bean, we can go back to her. She's basically a fashion blogger in dog form. She's always wearing the, the latest, like, cashmere sweaters, and she travels to Europe, and she's just, she's just like, this beautiful creature, and she's very on brand, very consistent. I think her bio is, like, cashmere only. Like, she's she's she has the voice, and yeah. she sticks to it. Mm-hmm. Um, another example, Popeye the Foodie. He's uh, one of our clients in LA. He's probably the cutest foodie in all the land, the uh, cutest food blogger in all the land. Uh, he's this adorable rescue dog that just goes to all the latest restaurants and poses in front of the food. And so you know what you're getting when you come to that page. So. Um, Having a consistent brand, just as you would say for any human influencer, is extremely important. Uh, Posting consistently. um, And then things we specifically look for. We look for engagement that overperforms. So whenever um, someone reaches out, we have them send us their back-end analytics. So um, beyond just the public-facing likes and comments, we see how many actual impressions, how many actual people are seeing these pieces of content, um, where those people are located, and do kind of all of that analytics, back-end digging. And then we interview them. So if we can meet them in person, that's... Ideal if they're not local, we do a Skype or a phone, and it it comes across very quickly on the phone if they're in it for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. Like we've had, we've taken calls before where they're like, "I really want to be able to take advantage of this thing," or "I I am," or "I'm like." we got a ton of inbound too where people don't even have a pet and they're like which kind of pet should I get so that I can make money from it like oh, that God. gets immediately archived like it's, it's just <laughs> it comes through when you're talking to a person if they're on the phone and they're just like ooing and eyeing about how adorable their pet is and like they're like cuddling with that like you can you can tell so quickly people who are in it because they love their pets and they're so grateful they get to spend this extra time with them and get to make money and work with brands they love because their pet developed this following. versus people who are just trying to make it happen because they they want the money. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And that's so important. And I, I just think, I mean, from my perspective, I'm thinking, you know, that type of, of pet mom or dad, you know, that's more longevity for the pet influencer because you got to, again, like you have to create so much content on a consistent basis. Like it can't just be just sponsored posts. Mm-hmm. And so like they have to love it. Absolutely. You know, in order for it to be a long lasting thing. Um, and so my next question is, um, how, well, first of all, did you always know that you wanted to start your own business? You know, you, you grew up with parents who said, you know, you could be a doctor or a lawyer. Oh wait, be a lawyer. And, then, <laughs> um, you know, you sort of went a different path. When did you know that you wanted to start your own business?
1: Yeah. So when I was younger, I didn't realize that was even an option. I was, I was told here you're too Traditional past, like pick one, um, and then as I was in school and and meeting people who were interested in doing other things, more I guess more specifically, my best friend from college uh, came from a very entrepreneurial family, um, and I through her I was kind of understanding this whole other world, and and once I actually was in the law firm and had reached that pinnacle, and was not really happy with where I was in my my day-to-day job. I, I figured this is kind of the time. I have uh, my law degree. I pass the bar. If I leave and try something that doesn't work, I have this amazing safety net, can just go back to a different firm or the same firm, and felt like this was the time to just like give it a shot. And once I tried, I just felt so, felt so in love with the whole entrepreneurial world and creating things that don't exist, that people need, and just being surrounded by such creative, innovative people that there there was no way I was going back.
0: <laughs> Isn't that the most amazing feeling though? Like if like all the anxiety before you make that decision and then you make the leap and then having that like assurance that it was exactly the right decision for you that must have felt so good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. That's great. And so you had people in your life who exposed you to this idea of entrepreneurialism. Um, what would you say to other, you know, women specifically mm-hmm. out there who, you know, are at maybe cushy jobs or stable jobs or, you know, uh, this regular income, they have benefits, insurance, et cetera, but they have the itch or they, you know, are listening to this podcast right now and they're inspired by you to say, like, oh, I've always had this idea and should I make the leap? What would you suggest that they know before they do it that they prepare themselves with? And uh, what would you tell them?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's so different for everyone. If there's a way to test the idea before making the leap, that's obviously the the best and the safest path. Uh, Do people want this? Can you work on it at night and on the weekends and, and test out if there's interest? Because once you make that leap, it gets really scary. And Adding that layer of stress on top of everything else is, does, isn't helpful necessarily. So testing the idea out as best you can. So, How
0: long did you test it with Chloe?
1: So I was um, – I think it was about a year or so mm-hmm. um, when I was working because I was – she had built the following. I was meeting all these people. I saw that there was such a market need for this. Mm-hmm. Um, before the the dog agency, brands were sending DMs to hundreds of pets. The pets sometimes would respond if then they got in touch with the owner and they were ready to move forward with the deal. They'd send a contract and the owner wouldn't know if they should sign it or not. And the whole thing was just so such a mess. And it needed structure. And so it just became so clear that – There was a need and that I was the perfect person to do it. So I had the legal background. I had the relationships with the pen influencers themselves. I had relationships with brands. And I was an influencer myself Mm -hmm. through Chloe. So I understood every aspect of it Mm -hmm. and so there was a huge need. So that was very clear Mm -hmm. that it was time to create that. So if there's a way to test and see, yes, there's definitely a need. I'm the right person to do it. That's that's when you should take that leap. Mm -hmm. Um, But – I mean, be be prepared for it to be hard. I mean, being an entrepreneur is definitely a roller coaster. It goes from extreme highs to lows to not sure what's happening next, and it's just – you have to be emotionally prepared for that. And the more you can test out and prove your concept before you take that leap, the, the happier you'll be. For sure.
0: And I feel like the ability to be nimble, really listen, um, because as you, you know, you go into it and if you do have the ability to prepare yourself, you know, as much as possible with like ammo to prove your concept, um, you know. You're still going to get feedback and all that feedback, I would say, so, so important. And so to be able to, like, listen at least, take take it in, <laughs> and then, you know, react to whichever feedback you think is best, Absolutely. right, for your own company because it's your company, you have the vision, and at the end of the day, like, you got to trust your gut.
1: Too. Yeah, you have to stay true to that. You can't just take yeah. everything everyone says. You need to – Take it in, obviously listen, but right. stay true to what your goals are.
0: Definitely. And did you start the business by yourself, or did you start it with partners?
1: Yeah. So I, I did it by myself. Um, I how pretty much everything by me. <laughs> <laughs> like me, it was me. It was just me. It was like every company. I mean, yeah. I've um, I don't know. I've never. I I kind of just preferred to just dive in, and I and I work twenty four seven, and um. I think I have very high expectations, so I think mm-hmm. <laughs> at least starting things, it's it's better for me to just kind of like be fully in it mm-hmm. um, most of the time. But um, yeah, so our team right now, um, all in, I think we're what are we at like around eight mm-hmm. between full time and freelance. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's across the agency. Pet Insider, our media arm, and then PetCon, our events.
0: So let's talk a little bit about PetCon. Yes. I'm so excited about <laughs> that. So not only do you have your own agency, but you started PetCon, which is coming up at the Javits Center here in New York for two full days. So tell everybody about it. When is it? What can we expect? What
1: pet influencers will be there? So many. Who will not be there. That's an easier <laughs> question. Um, so, and actually that's it. That's another great example of figuring out when to start things. So uh, the first PetCon was last year mm-hmm. and it came out of this need for or this desire for people to meet all the influencers and everyone was always reaching out like when can i meet them when are they going to be in new york when is when can they do a meet and greet and there wasn't really an organized way for people to have that offline experience with all of their favorite pets and so last year i decided to test the concept of PetCon, so um put it together very quickly i think in about like a month and a half, two months, That's from like man. idea to day of. <laughs> wow. Um, and uh, it ended up being an incredible event. We had people flying in from all over to attend. Um, we had tons of pet influencers, we had brands doing pop-ups, we had adoptable pets, we had panels.
0: And How big was that event, your first event? How many people attended, would you say?
1: Uh, that was, um, a little over a thousand. So it was a smaller scale event.
0: So for those of you who are listening who aren't in New York or familiar with the Javits Center, I we mean, what's up capacity? <laughs> yeah, they
1: scaled up. So what so is we the went capacity from, of the Javits Yeah, the Center? hall yeah, last year, um, or the, uh, the space bed last year. It was around 20,000 square feet this one's 70,000 Wow so we we drastically scaled up uh, so you let really go year... for it <laughs> I love that so much so we, we tested the concept last year people loved it and we're like, okay, we're, we're going big next year. So so this is our, our big one. Um, and then from there, we're taking it on the road starting next year.
0: Oh, that's so exciting. So, um,
1: yeah, so for this one, it's November 17th and 18th, Saturday and Sunday at the Javits. Um, again, it's two days of meet and greets. We have, I think, four meet and greet booths. So there's meet and greets going on all day long in each of the four booths. Panels, everything from pet health to uh, – cool new tech products that are coming out in the pet space to um, uh, we even have like a demo with a bunch of cool brands that are newer in the space again adoptable pets we have an adoptable cat cafe a dog adoption garden Um, lots of fun creative moments on the show floor for people to create awesome content and still a lot left to plan. We're just a few yeah. weeks out, but I'm super excited for that. So yeah, um, PetCon's going to be incredible.
0: Yeah, it is. I'm definitely going to be there. I'm um, a foster mom myself of pets, and I was just telling you that my foster agency just like announced that they're going to be a PetCon. So I'm so excited. Foster w- dogs
1: are. Yeah, for yeah. The, yeah. The foster dogs. So they're our partner. Yeah, and um, they were our partner last year as well. So they bring in all of the adoptable dogs and cats mm-hmm. and so they they tech, they're usually just work with dogs but for us they're pulling in cats because yes. we want both Rebecca on and uh, so they're they're incredible because they work with all of the local rescue groups right. and uh, by partnering with them we're able to showcase all these amazing rescue organizations all over the
0: like tri-state area mm-hmm. exactly yeah, it's great like my recent foster dog came in from Tennessee it's amazing. they're based in Staten Island and then we take them in the city <laughs>
1: the
0: country dogs become city dogs very quickly um so when it comes to petcon in particular from a business perspective was this in your mind a strategic addition to bring you more business to the dog agency, or did you always just want to do events? Like, what was your what was your vision for PetCon and how it relates to the dog agency?
1: Yeah, so it ties in because our clients are being featured, they're speaking on panels, they're doing meet and greets. It's a great way for them to meet with their fans, to meet with press, uh, to interact with brands. So it seems like a natural extension to bring everything offline. Uh, But also there was just such a market demand for it because people wanted to meet these pets. They wanted to either meet them because they're a huge fan or to meet them to network to figure out how they can become an influencer or to discover new brands or they just wanted to be surrounded by adorable pets. I mean, it's the the, the cutest weekend of the year.
0: (laughs) It's it's like such a... Um, I don't know. It's just like you walk around, and you're like, oh. Literally, right? all, all weekend long. <laughs> all
1: and it's something <laughs> I wanted long. to attend. I wanted it to exist. So <laughs> selfishly
0: that, there. Yeah. I, I can't believe you got PetCon. Yeah. Like, there was no other PetCon before with all the cons that exist.
1: And that was also kind That's of incredible. like, how is this possible? This yeah. seems like the most obvious of them all. Like yeah. there's a book con, there's a. <laughs> there's an
0: everything. Like this. Isn't there a, a cat con?
1: Yeah, like, there's, like there's literally everything, cat, but there was no even. pet pet which so, seems nuts to me
0: again like that's in my mind the telltale sign of like a successful entrepreneur is listening and responding to where there's a white space. And so for you, I'm like so impressed. I feel like throughout time, <laughs> you constantly found like there's a need for this. There's a need for this. And I'm just going to go after it and be that person. Um, so that's incredible. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so we like to get real on this podcast. <laughs> um, so I have a few questions in that capacity for you. Right. Um so you're telling us, and I believe it because I got an email from you at like after midnight last night, <laughs> um, that you are a bit of a workaholic. Yes, I You like I am. to do things, you know, very hands-on. Um, and you're the one that started a lot of incredible opportunities for yourself, for your clients, for the people in New York, to people to travel after PetCon. How do you personally find balance with such a busy work schedule? And do you have any tips or resources that our listeners can use to be more balanced and healthy?
1: I actually, after we got coffee the other day, I took in a lot of what you said and hired a general counsel literally yesterday. Oh my God, that's so good. So I was like, that's I need good. to get things off my plate. I was so inspired by what you and your partner were talking about. And I was like, I need to stop just I'm doing all of our accounting, I'm doing all of our legal, I'm bringing a new business, I'm I just need to like focus. And so actually, I'll, oh, thank you for having coffee with me the other yeah. week because I, I feel like it had a very positive uh, impact on how I'm thinking about self-care and, and not trying to do everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, it's three years and now, and I'm finally giving up the legal piece, which is even, I just, it's been, I think, a day since he's been here, <laughs> but already I just feel like Very such timely. a weight has been lifted. Good. Doesn't it feel um, good? It feels so good. It feels oh my good gosh. to delegate.
0: I mean, yeah. just, and you know, this is a perfect example. Like, you're a Harvard Law graduate, but just because you can do it, exactly. doesn't mean you need
1: to, doesn't yep. mean
0: you should, and you should be doing what you're best suited to do.
1: For exactly. I'm really excited for you. It's great. So, thank you for that buy summer coffee because that like <laughs> has already changed my life good um and then I was I had calls all yesterday afternoon with a bunch of bookkeepers and so I'm gonna hire a bookkeeper this week as well so I'm not reconciling our QuickBooks every week because that also is not something I need to be doing no um and so yeah I mean I think <laughs> uh, taking things off your plate when yeah. you can and when you should um, is probably very important and I'm, I'm just starting to to do that now yeah
0: that's great advice. I'm glad you. You honestly, I'm like looking at you, and you seem lighter. You're just like, this is a great decision. You always know when it's the right decision yeah. for you. It's great to delegate. And like, you know, the way to grow, we talk to people about that on this podcast a lot. It's like, how do you scale something? How do you grow something? And look, I'll personalize it. I'm very similar to you. I like having my hand in everything. But, you know, a lot of people who've mentored me have told me, and they're right, that, you know, it's about surrounding yourself with good people. That's the way to scale, aligning yourself with people who have a similar uh, vision as you do and work ethic as you do um, but delegate delegate and and share it and that's the way to grow yeah. so i'm excited for you that's great <laughs> that's great um final question um so what do you wish that someone had told your younger self that would give you a professional or a personal advantage today
1: my first gut is to say like trust yourself to try things sooner but i feel like going through the process i went through and, and getting the legal training and having that background has really helped me a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, for Empowered, knowing to get the utility patent and to protect that um, for the agency, having that expertise with all of the agreements and knowing what terms should be and being able to look out for the clients. Um, so, I mean, as far as the, the path, I think – it needed to be the way it was to get me where I am and in the position to be able to do what I'm able to do. Um, so maybe it's that. Maybe it's everyone has their own path. Don't be
0: too hard on yourself and think that it needs to be somebody else's path. Maybe it's just individual to you and it'll eventually lead you to where you're meant to be.
1: Is yeah, I think it? that's Yeah, I think that's great advice. I think um, being aware, being very aware of – what you're good at and and what is needed in the market, and matching those up, and not trying to fit something in where it doesn't belong, and feel like you want to be an entrepreneur. You need to start right now. Like find waiting until you feel like there there really is that gap and that you're the best person to fix it, and and not having that pressure to need to be an entrepreneur today because everyone's doing it, and you want to be a part of that. Like making sure that you actually are creating something that you in particular have a special unique expertise that you enjoy doing it and that there there is that need and not feeling rushed to just c- create something. That's all such good advice. It's <laughs> like the
0: perfect answer.
1: Lonnie, thank you so
0: much for joining us today on the podcast. And thank you guys so much for listening. Um, where can everyone find you if they want to find you? Shout yourself out online, on Instagram, on social, on, on the website. Where can they find you sure. if they want to? So
1: I am on Instagram at Lonnie, D-L-O-N-I-D-E-E. And then we have a gazillion other Instagram accounts. We have Pet Insider, PetCon Official, The Dog Agency, and everyone come to PetCon.
0: Everyone come to PetCon. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. If you liked what you heard today, don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast. We love comments, so comment on this podcast, and we may shout you out on our next episode. Join us next time, and thanks for tuning in.